Storytelling. It is a buzzword we hear a lot, but how do we do it effectively? How do we use it in our professional lives and our interpersonal relationships? Arguably, Pixar is the master of storytelling, and we are joined by Ted Mathot, who's been there since 1999, and most recently is a story supervisor on Incredibles 2. We talk about how do you tell a story effectively, how important it is to have a team when doing that, and how to get a job at Pixar. It's about making it personal, but not taking it personally. This is Ted Mathot on Chaotic Creative. Let's talk about storytelling, because on Incredibles 2, you are the story supervisor. What, first of all, does that mean? What it means, so I have to keep the whole story in my head at all times. I'm sort of the, the uh, story, I'm sort of, what, what would you call it? I'm uh, the protector of the story, I guess. Um, so if anybody has any question about the story at any time during the production, I need to be able to answer it. I need to be able to talk about where we've been, the roads traveled. Uh, as well as where we're currently at and where we might be going. Because um, people from other departments will come up to me and, you know, we encourage this on the movie for everybody to talk amongst each other and they'll say, what's coming down the line? Like the, the head of effects may say, what, what can I expect in the third act? And I'll be like, well, I think we're talking about this, 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 and this. And he goes, okay, I gotta talk to my team because they're like wigging out on what we might have to do, you know? Right. So I make sure, you know, um, that the crew is informed that they can ask me questions about, you know, what's coming down the line. Especially when something is something this big, that you said 300 people worked on this film, so they don't know all, like, the bigger picture because they're working on the micro level. Right. So in a position like this, it's even more important to relay all this information because you were saying you're the conduit between the director, Brad Bird, and all of these people. How do you keep your mind straight, the focus, and managing all of those people when it's such a big project, high stakes, because it's a very anticipated sequel. How do you keep that, the creativity and the people management in line? Yeah, my team is about six to 15. So as we ramp up in story, you know, we add people in order to you know, get, turn the scenes around in the storyboard phase. Uh, so it does get a bit crazy when you've got a line of people outside the door and they want to show their work, they're excited about what they just did. You know, and then it's like, well, I have to be over here. I got to go meet with Brad and the editorial. Then I've got to, da, 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 you know, so there's a lot of sort of juggling that you have to do. How do you keep um, that straight? Because as a creator, I, you know, I'm seen, like, still figuring it out. Yeah? Yeah. But like, do you have tips for being focused and organized? Because I find as a creative person, that is the, probably the biggest thing that I'm not good at. Yeah. How do you keep that in well, check? Well, I had a terrific manager. You had uh, a manager. I did, yeah. That managed what? Your thoughts, your schedule, what? Uh, schedule. Okay, well, I'll yeah. start your thoughts. My, <laughs> this is what you're going to think today. <laughs> Kat Hendrickson was my wonderful, wonderful manager. And okay. she, you know, uh, she just keeps everything focused and in line. And she, you know, we have a whiteboard with what everybody's working on, all the scenes, when they're showing to Brad, when they have to be delivered to the editor, and all those things. So she tracks all of that, helps keep me sane at the same time. Um, the support there is phenomenal. It's really great. The process of storytelling, I think that there's been books written on it, there's memes about it, the way Pixar tells a story. Can you distill the specific way that a Pixar approaches a story? Mm -hmm. uh, like what, is, what makes a good story and how can we replicate that in right. whatever we're doing, be it business, be it personal relations? What's your take on that? Right, so our films are, have always been and still are director driven, which means when they pick a director, they say come up with it's usually three ideas that you feel connected to. And they encourage uh, the films to be personal in some way. 
So there's an attachment there. What we don't do is we don't take an idea and just assign it to somebody because there's, there can be a disconnect, you know? Hmm. And I think that's a big part of why our films are successful because the directors have an emotional attachment many times to the film that they're making. So we start there, yeah. you know? Okay. Um, and you know, the ones that are coming down the line are like no exception and I feel like there's, some of them are even more emotional um, in terms of the directors than they have been in the past. What makes a good story? What are the elements? Uh, for us, mm-hmm. great characters, um, a world that's believable. Um, in terms of The Incredibles, a very compelling villain. Uh, relatability. We want audiences to go in, and go in and relate to what they're seeing on screen. That's a big one. And we also want them to feel something. You know, when, when you're relating to the characters, you're empathizing with them and you're feeling for them. You know, a film like Inside Out, it's like you understand. Literally, it has emotions in the movie, mm-hmm. you know? And um, that's one of the things I love about Pete Docter's films. It's like he really gets to the heart and soul of things. It's interesting you say that because when I watch a Pixar film and I don't think I really feel this in other films, but there's always that emotional moment, that cathartic like, oh, I do have feelings and I get to experience that. It's almost like sometimes I'm like, oh, they're manipulating me into feeling sad right right now or something. And I think that's really effective. And I like the fact that you said uh, it's attached to the director. Um, When you're planning in the planning stages, Storyboarding, how important is that? And how do you approach that? Because mm-hmm. I think that that's another thing that creatives, especially myself, don't do that very well. Uh-huh. How do you like go, especially when it's like millions of dollars and you might want to change your mind. And right. there's so many right. people online. How do you approach that? That's why we storyboard, because we can change our minds while it's still relatively cheap. Mm. Cheap being a relative you know, word. Yes. Because when you have 300 people on a show and it's like, we have to change something, then all those people are involved as opposed to our story team and our editorial team. You know, small group of people, much easier to change. You can change things quicker at that phase. It's just drawings, right. you know. Um, so that's why we do it. You know, we test the film out in storyboards until it's working and then we move it into production when we feel like it's in a good place. How do you best convey information in emotion through sketch drawings that are like maybe like eight on a panel? Mm-hmm. How do you get that across? It's a skill, you know, um, just great drawings, you know, so we, we always look for people who have just tremendous drawing ability. Uh, that's the number one thing on the list when we're looking for people, you know. Can you convey something to an audience visually, whether it's a piece of action, whether it's an emotion, um, whether it's, uh, well, I mean, action or emotion. And then whatever else is necessary, subtext, those kinds of things. Can you um, take a script page and can you support it visually? That's something that Brad is always looking for because he wrote the pages. He's also a filmmaker. He's already seeing it in his head. Mm-hmm. What can we bring that he may not have thought of? What's the subtext? What's the visual thing that supports what he wrote? How do you teach storytelling to somebody who wants to be better at it? Um, it's kind of tough, actually. I don't know if you can... <laughs> all right, we all screwed. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, some people have an innate ability, an innate ability to be great storytellers. Not everyone has, has it. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, a, a lot of it is going out and having experiences, experiencing things and getting out of your comfort zone. To me, the, the personal part of storytelling 
is being able to tell your own stories about situations that you're in. Yeah. Like, I got lost in Rome, you know, so I can tell that as a story. You know, and everyone has been lost at some point in their lives so they can relate to it. You know, so it's how do you, how do you tell that? How do you dole out the information? You know, um, you talk about manipulation earlier and filmmaking is manipulation, basically. Everything is tailored for the audience to feel a certain way. But what you want to do is you want to hide that. You know, you have your character and you have your story and you have all that stuff on top of it so that they don't feel like they're being manipulated. When it's done improperly, they know, they're aware. Audiences are smart, yeah. you know? How do we uh, use that outside of, I guess, how do we take what you do at Pixar and apply it into our lives? Say it in a sales position, say it if we're making here at Daily Hive, we make short form video. Mm -hmm. Or even like you're at a party and you're telling a story and someone's like, this is a boring story. It could have been like, you know, I got lost in Rome. But yeah. if you don't know how to tell a story, beginning, middle, and end, plot twists, whatnot, what are the elements, could you distill that and to be like, okay, if you're gonna tell a story to make someone feel something, include this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There well, there's moments? your classic structure. Okay. You know, uh, there's a great, great writer, his name's Brian McDonald, and he's a friend of mine, and he's come to Pixar to do talks, and he says uh, stories are survival. You know, so stories have been handed down over the years and generations because they help people survive. Um, and that was really fascinating to me. Um, so in terms of going back to the original question, how it relates. So you have your classic three-act structure. Yeah. You know, so you have your act one. It's the setup. Who are the main players? And then you get to your act one, it's like, okay, what's the thing that's going to propel us through into the rest of the story? Your act two is kind of the journey, so to speak. You know, you have a series of conflicts. You have what we call a low point. You know, this is sort of a basic framework. Like, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not carved in stone. These are tools, not rules. But you have your, your emotional low point, the all is lost moment before you head into your third act, and then you have your big climax and your resolution. So, so that's like, the, those are the basics. So if we're having a couple of drinks and I'm at a bar and I'm telling you a story, I would want to, if I was hearing that story, I would want to hear it that way. What's the setup? What's the situation that I have to survive? And then how was it solved? Right. Who are the players, right? So you set it up. You wouldn't say, oh man, I went to Rome, totally got lost. It's like, that's the worst story ever. Like because that. there's no, you know. <laughs> but you going to talk to that person. <laughs> right. Yeah. How would you use that in a sales scenario? Say if you're like selling a product and you tell the story, would that still apply? Yes. To be like, yeah? Story, I want, I want storytelling is a, a huge buzzword right now, especially yeah. in tech. Yeah. Because they want people to relate to their products, what they're selling. Mm -hmm. And they want them to relate to it on an emotional level. You know, it's like with Apple, you know, Steve wanted products that people felt like were extensions of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what the iPhone is. Right. You know, it's, it's brilliant. And it's all about storytelling. You were talking about um, uh, products, connections, uh, having talks at Pixar. Steve Jobs, when he was around, would come. Well, he was part of Pixar. How did he influence the culture there? And how does that set Pixar apart? I just like, I've been there once and mm -hmm. I could feel, just feel it's different. What was that influence that you could take from him? Yeah, so when we moved to our campus where we are now, yeah. this has been passed down. I don't know if this is the truth, but <laughs> they say that it was Steve's idea to have a giant atrium yes. right when you walk into the building. 
and all the stairwells come down into it because he wanted to encourage random uh, meetings of people. Yeah. So you're coming down into the atrium, whether you're going to get a drink, you're going to use the bathroom, or whatever you're going to do, you know, to come down. And he wanted those those encounters to happen there in the atrium, and it, it's a brilliant idea. It's a great idea, you know. As opposed to funneling everybody out through a small entrance, there's you don't really have that chance to to come down there and meet. When people you know. come together, um, Ed Catmull, am I pronouncing that correctly? Mm -hmm. Who wrote Creativity Inc. He right. says um, in one of his books, or his book, that book, uh, that ideas are good, but what's important is your team. So it's the people. How are people at Pixar chosen? I'm assuming there's some kind of quality that gets them to be part of that team. Mm -hmm. And how does how do you feel about that when we talk about teams, when you talk about being a story supervisor of 300 people on this film? How important is the team the, uh, and the culture to the product in the end? Yeah, so, 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 so important. You know, I, I was so lucky to have such a great team on Incredibles, you know, I, they were just immensely talented across the board and I trusted them. I could give sequences to any of them and, you know, I, I love the team aspect of things. I'm not necessarily a solo artist. I don't really enjoy that. I love teams. I love teamwork. Um, so to me, it's that's really, really important. And when we're looking for people in story, what I look for is in a portfolio or, you know, an online website or, you know, I look for something that's personal. Like, mm. what are they bringing to the work? You know, because you could look at storyboards for a TV show, but that's just someone else's vision, you know? What is this person bringing to their work that's specific to them is what I like to see. Yeah. I like to know the person through their work. There's that meme that went around, the 22 tenets of story, Pixar storytelling. Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. Do you agree with them all? Is that written by somebody there, or did somebody like extrapolate that? Um, it's a little of both. Yeah? Um, it's things um, that have been picked up along the way. I, you know, I don't know the list. It's, it was never a thing at Pixar. They never said, here are our 22 things. Yeah. You know, it's just these were picked up and assembled along the way over a number of years. You agree with them? Uh, probably some of them. I, to be honest, I <laughs> right. I don't know I mean, if I've ever. It, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I've read the full list. Yeah. To be honest with you, but um, yeah, I mean, there are there are things that are, you know, undeniable truths about how we make our movies. Yeah. You know, when you talk about the personal aspect of it, and people invest so much into it, some I was surprised. Well, I guess I wasn't surprised. I knew it, but when you spoke about this uh, at a talk, uh, you uh, were telling me beforehand that. Some like some projects just never see the light of day. Mm -hmm. What is that like when you're surrounded by these people, obviously, who are operating, uh, who are at the top of their game, they're at this company, they're putting their heart and soul into something, mm -hmm. and then they're like, yeah, we're not moving forward with this project. How do people react to that? But also, how do they work along with that, knowing that it's not, like, you don't know if that's gonna happen or not. Mm -hmm. What's that reaction it's like? It's tough. Yeah. It's tough because, you know, like you said, you put your heart and soul into a thing and then it's, you know, for all intents and purposes, rejected, you know. Um, it is tough. You know, I've, I've been there for one of those. You have. And How do you not take it personal when you made it personal, when it has been personal? Well, I was working with the director. Okay. Um, but, you know, I th the big thing for me is, like, I never take anything personal at the workplace. Don't. You know, it's all about the story. It's all about the characters, you know. Uh, when Brad is giving animation notes, you know, he'll comment on someone's work that they had done. And 
you know, he's great about saying, look, you know, don't take this personally. We're all trying to figure out what's best for the character, mm -hmm. you know. And then you Which I thought was a, a really interesting way to give criticism. Why is that? Because it's, it's the character is what's important, you know. It's like he's not, when he gives feedback, he's never going after you personally. You know, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. For the greater good. And exactly. how does this build right. towards that? The best that? thing for the character, best thing for the story. How do you yeah. develop a story when it's based on something that was beloved? Speaking of Incredible specifically, so that was 14 years ago it came out. Mm -hmm. Still, to this date, uh, a lot of people say it's their favorite movie. Mm -hmm. It stands the test of time. Right. Ahead of time, it was ahead of the curve on like this whole superhero craze. From the clips I've seen so far, with Elastigirl being prominent too, it's like, and obviously you guys didn't just start making this last year, you made it like, started a couple of years ago, it's ahead of the trend too, and like the women empowerment thing. How do you guys decide, we're making a sequel 14 years later, mm -hmm. and make it relevant to the time, and still uh, honor what was good about it in the past, and still make it fresh and present? Right. A lot of stuff going on there, high stakes, how do you approach that? Mm -hmm. We try to make films that are timeless first off. Mm. You know, Brad had the idea for a role reversal for a long time. He wasn't necessarily like, oh, we're heading into, you know, um, this, this period culturally and socially. He doesn't really necessarily <laughs> right. think that way. Like, yeah. oh, we have to do this. Yes. You know, um, he had the idea for that role reversal for some time, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and it's probably one of the things that stayed through all the iterations of this film that we've done. How many iterations were there? Um, three. Three? Yeah. So what does that mean? Like, that you scrapped everything at one point? Does that ever the happen? The film that we started on was significantly different than what we ended up with. So we kind of, we took parts of that. Yes. There was still, the, the core of it was there. Yeah. It's mostly the plot that changed, you know. Uh, the role reversal was still there. Bob being at home, Helen getting the assignment, that was all, that stayed intact and went through the movie. Yeah. Um, it's things that, are, are, that were around it that changed. You know, can you clarify a rumor for us? So we were talking about this yesterday, and um, it was about Toy Story 2, that at one point, the whole movie got wiped out. Is that true? Do you know about this? I started right after that. Oh, so you're like... <laughs> but I know there was a director change, and yeah. John took over, yes. John Lasseter. Um, my first day, they showed the new version of Toy Story 2. Okay. So I came in and I sat down and I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. Cool, first day, great, all right. You know, but there had been a lot of toil prior to that. So you don't know about this whole rumor about like there was a file, what was it, like it was deleting the movie, the movie got deleted off all the servers and because somebody had taken it home to show it to their family, that's how you guys retrieved the movie? That's a separate story. Okay. But that, that did happen. That's crazy! The film got deleted off Pixar's servers. And I believe it was Galen Sussman, who was, um, I think she was a manager in tech at that point, yeah. happened to be traveling with a copy of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. How? Yeah. So Something sure, like that. So I'm sure there's like software like uh, oh, yeah. protocols now yeah, that, 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 that can't happen. happen again. Yeah, when I, when I heard about that, I was like, that doesn't sound proper. Mm -hmm. um, when you're talking about making characters, um, uh, you were giving a talk at Science World yesterday, and you mentioned that there was a character that you really loved and got cut from the film. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you design your characters? Uh, what's the process of making them? And then what happens when you have to let them go? Do yeah. you 
go, I want to use this somewhere else somewhere, or you're like, you're dead, bye. Yeah, the design process is really interesting. So it's a collaboration between story, art, and generally animation. You know, the animators want to be in early. Um, I remember meeting with the animation leads about this specific character. What is she like? You know, how does she move? How does she act? What's her worldview and all this stuff? Because that informs them about how the character's going to move. You know, and then we talk to the art department as well. They're like, same questions. You know, so they have an idea of how to design the character, how which shapes they're going to use to start with. You know, shape is a big aspect of uh, the character designs. The family has a specific set of shapes in how they look. Right. You know, and those shapes mean different things. So that's sort of the starting point for the art department, and then they start to add details on top of that. Thank you. I think that was um, a very insightful talk on uh, storytelling and how we can apply that, uh, not even in business, but in our personal lives, and how if we ever want to get a job at Pixar, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Make it personal. Make yeah. it personal, yes. but don't take it personally. That's good. I'm gonna that's a good line. Here. Yeah. Make it personal. Don't take it personal. You can, you can tell, when I come and give a talk at Pixar, I love it. I'll make sure that that's what I say. We're always looking for those one-line things. Yeah. For the movies. Oh. Brad had one in Ratatouille. It was uh, cooks make rats take. Cooks make rats take. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that I was, ever hear that, that line was the philosophy movie, for the movie. I'll call you up, Ted, and I won't be like, yeah. I know where you got that from. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so cool. much for joining Thank us. You. I appreciate that. Yeah, those were great questions. Really fun. Make it personal, but don't take it personally. That is so hard to do as a creative person when you put so much of yourself into it, but how do you make that separation? That was one of the takeaways I got from this interview. What were the insights you gleaned? Hit me up at Zane Maggi on social and share with me what you took away from this conversation or leave a comment in the review or in the comment section. And if you want to learn more from professional artists making it in the entertainment industry, subscribe to Chaotic Creative.